0: Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Marico, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. You know, it seems like everyone loves a great cup of coffee. Okay, except for me because I like Mountain Dew. But not everyone can afford a great cup of coffee. Everyone wants a job, but not everyone can get a job because of their background and skills. What if you could pull the, the both of those together, those two things together into one coffee and jobs and mix them up with hope and love? What do you get? You get the incredible mission called the Charlotte Rescue Mission and the Community Matters Cafe. This is a story of how we put our faith into action in helping those that Jesus called us to love and support and bring about hope to a whole community and put on display for everyone the healing power of Jesus and also give them a great cup of coffee. Here today to share the story of the Charlotte Rescue Mission and the Community Matters Cafe is Ed Price, Director of Life Skills Development. Ed Price, welcome to I Work For Him.
1: Thanks, Jim, Mark. Thanks for having me here today.
0: We're super excited to have you here today. We're just super excited about your story. How did the Charlotte Rescue Mission become a part of your life?
1: You know, it's a funny story. I was on my way to a secondary degree in divinity, and my oldest dragged me to a college here in Charlotte called Johnson & Wales, and their primary purpose is to be a culinary school. And the Lord just pressed into my heart that I was supposed to be in and around food and serve other people. I did that sort of unbeknownst to me. I found myself on the other end of a culinary degree, not knowing what to do. I volunteered a bunch around Charlotte. and I found myself at a ministry in West East Charlotte, I should say. And for three years, I was able to build a catering business and support the ministry, support ourselves, and create this opportunity where we train men and women to do more in the hospitality industry. And that led the Charlotte Rescue Mission actually to come and recruit me because they had this great idea of taking a building that they owned in the shadows of the NFL arena here uh, and turn it into a coffee shop and a restaurant. So I was actually recruited for this by the Lord.
0: I love that. When we come back, we're going to hear the rest of that story with Ed Price from the Charlotte Rescue Mission and Community Matters Cafe. Check them out online communitymatterscafe.com communitymatterscafe.com Maybe you can do this in your community. You're listening to I Work For Him with your host Jim and Martha Brangenberg and we'll be right back.
2: Many things in life are out of your control, but you can control the content you listen to. I Work For Him has created a podcast with you in mind that gives you control. Subscribe to the I Work For Him PowerPod on your favorite podcast platform and you can choose to listen on demand shows release several times per week and offer 15 minute highlights of content to help you learn to transform your workplace into a mission field subscribe today by searching for I work for him power pod on your favorite podcast platform that's I work for him power pod and
0: welcome back to I work for him as we're talking today with Ed Price from the Charlotte Rescue Mission and this incredible venture that they have started called Community Matters Cafe. Maybe you want to check it out online. Maybe you're in the Charlotte area and you're listening. CommunityMattersCafe.com. CommunityMattersCafe.com. So, Ed, I asked you how God intersected your life with the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Talk to us about what this is all about. What is the mission of Charlotte Rescue Mission, and how does Community Matters Cafe fit into all of
1: this? So Charlotte Rescue Commission was founded in 1938 by five Christian businessmen, one of whom was Billy Graham's father. And their purpose was to take men and women who were at the time homeless and put them through uh, a system of just getting them off the street for the night, giving them a hot meal, and giving them the gospel. And that continued for many, many, many years. In the 60s, they realized that one of the recurring patterns of homelessness was addiction and alcoholism, and they started to treat that and apply... Measures to try to address that. And it became a residential treatment program in the 60s. And what does that mean? That means for the next 30 years, men and women came here for 60 days and they stayed overnight and day and night. And they were encountering trained counselors, people that are trained in clinical counseling and rehabilitation counseling. And they got a systematic program to take them from addiction to recovery or through recovery. Uh, In the 90s, we figured out that we needed to extend the program, and it grew from 60 to 90, and now it's a 120-day program, one of the longest residential treatment programs Mm. in the country. We do it two ways. We absolutely apply the medical disease model of addiction that's recognized by the AMA, where we go through a 12-step process, and we say that the disease is addiction to alcohol. But we also treat them with the gospel because no one person wakes up when they're 14 years old and goes and sees their guidance counselor and says, hey, I want to be an alcoholic when I grow up. It's what's happened to them and the way they've interpreted it that caused them to create some behaviors that have led them down a really tough path. Mm. They get to us with nothing left, typically. They're typically homeless, uh, typically carless, and they usually come with a bag or two. It's the last stop. Parents and family have changed the locks and they've hit the bottom and they get to us and they've raised their hand and they've already been through a place where they've detoxed from their drug or their alcohol and they walk through our doors and they say, I want change. And we provide that change in the form of traditional recovery, but also in the form of the gospel.
2: Wow. So show me what that looks like just in the in the sense of, okay, you said it's 120 days that they are there with you. Um, like, how, I, I, do you count it in beds? How many beds do you have? And, you know, just kind of walk us through what you have there as a facility.
1: Yeah. So we've got this incredible facility right on First Street, again, which is in the shadows of the NFL Bank of America Stadium, which houses the Panthers, and that's 150 beds for men. Hmm. We've got a women's facility on the west side of Charlotte about 10 minutes from here that houses 100 women and some children. Children typically come at the end of the program. They're reunited with their mothers. Many of the women who counter our program come, and they say, I need a timeout. I've got to reset, or they've been removed from their family, or their family has been removed from them. Mm -hmm. But we do have the ability to accommodate children occasionally. So on any given night, we're very full, and we have about 250 men and women undercover in beds on a rotational basis. So we accept every day, Monday through Friday. We graduate every Thursday. So every Thursday we have a graduation, and every week we're taking in men and women. Very voluntary, you have to fill out a form online and make a phone call and wait for a counselor to return your phone call because uh, we don't take court appointed cases and we don't take mom and dad showing up with junior or uh-huh. junior at right. saying here fix this no they need to want to be fixed want to come in yeah exactly
0: so this drug and rehab program really this recovery program men and women in recovery this has kind of evolved over a period of time i mean you you've helping you're helping people deal with addiction but it became a lot more than that didn't it it's kind of it, it, you're actually now helping them learn life skills job skills
1: correct tell us one about one of the that. things that we figured along the way is that we've always taken the last portion of the program to help them navigate what it looks like to get back to life going to work going back home figuring out what housing looks like their credit their driver's license things that would prevent them from being normal citizens and normal employees mm-hmm. one of the things that we figured out was that there's a percentage of our graduates that have really been disconnected from reality for so long because of their addiction or their alcoholism that they needed a little more time in recovery and healing. Um, This is a quick recovery lesson, but most think that because you've been free of a substance for 28 days, you're cured. It takes nearly (sighs) two full years before your brain chemicals come back to 100% of what they were prior to abusing a drug or an alcohol.
0: Is that true for any kind of drug use or alcohol use?
1: Abuse. Yes. For any kind of drug or alcohol abuse. Yes, sir. You wind up interrupting that dopamine and all the other chemicals that create what I call normal behavior. So when Jim, you and I have a conversation, maybe it becomes uncomfortable and we need to walk away. We typically reset Pretty quickly, maybe even the next day after we've processed it. This is the type of thing where our students or our residents, they'll go back to Seven Eleven and start that habit right back over again because they felt frustrated and didn't know how to mentally process it. So... You started teaching them these skills. You're working with
0: people that really, you're, you, you said you're very picky. You're only working with people that want to really work on their issues. And and, and some people know they have an issue, but they don't necessarily want to work on it. I mean, in fact, I've had people tell me, I know I'm addicted, but I'm okay with it. But you guys, this led you guys into helping people not only learn how to get a job, what does it look like to function in a job, and be a, a, a recovering addict but you're also, you started a business. Talk to us about the Community Matters Cafe.
1: So my previous enterprise in what I call social enterprise at the other ministry I was with in East Charlotte was the catering business. And it proved the model that you don't have to always seek out benevolence to support ministry efforts. And that has something that I've been studying for years. And when I was contacted by the Rescue Mission to come and think about this concept of a coffee shop or a restaurant, the idea was to take a forward-facing retail business that would interact with customers and use residents who graduated from the core program, that four-month-long program, that 120-day program, and give them another opportunity to spend an additional four months in the coffee shop, restaurant, and work. But more importantly, they know how to work. They know how to maintain jobs. What they don't know how to do is do life on life's terms what does that mean? Confrontation and conflict are typically what send them back to what they know best, which is that addiction sure. uh, that got them here in the first place. So what we try to do is give them that four months to live in this laboratory of a real job, um, but we also give them the opportunity to mess up and feel uncomfortable. And what does it feel like to deal with customers and coworkers and peers and supervisors? And how does it feel to show up um, and be late and be loved and be told? Um, you know, uh, what it, what it, what the consequences could be. You know, here's a simple example. We are very fortunate. The men are very fortunate because the dorm for the rescue mission is hundreds of feet from the cafe. So for the first part of our program in the cafe, they get to walk to work. I had a gentleman walk up to me one morning and say, Mr. Ed, I got my cell phone. Can I go back over to the dorm and grab my cell phone real quick? And the simple answer was yes, but the right answer was, what would you do if you were a 15-minute bus ride in one yeah. direction and if you ride back? On a bus, would you ask your employer, could I take 35, 45, 50 minutes to go get my phone? No, you'd sort of tough it out for the day. Simple life lesson, but it sticks. And we continue to tell stories like that to new students as they come through the program. So it's the application of life skills. We actually have a curriculum that was developed by the local community college and Goodwill that is 16 modules long that they actually sit through Hmm. before they set in the restaurant. And it's... Code switching. Code switching is when we all have drama in our lives, we leave the drama in our phone or at the door, and we still show up for work. We perform, and then it's waiting for us when we return. Code switching for them usually involves dropping their apron, getting frustrated, and running out the door and starting that thing over. So we try to break them those not their habits, but remind them that the most important thing is community. So the name Community Matters isn't accidental. It's very important because if I ask yeah. some... The opposite of addiction, some would say sobriety, and the reality is it's community, it's connectedness, because isolation is the mm. tool of the enemy, and he wants every one of these folks to be alone. So that connectedness is what we try to remind them, be in a good employment situation, be so, in a good housing situation. So,
2: so tell me of what happens then. So they've gone through the the original program, and then they decide mm-hmm. that they want to be a part of um, the Jobs, I don't, jobs program, or whatever you're calling it, and they're getting all of this training. What are you seeing as a result? Are th- do they then go out and get their own job after that? And this, what are you seeing?
1: So the legacy that we've created through the program that we've been a part of previously, and now this is that we've got this relationship with the employers in the community, mostly in the hospitality industry, Mm -hmm. but across the board, we've got relationships. So I've got a graduated class that happens every four to six weeks. I've typically got employers reaching out to me in advance saying, who's coming out and what are their skill sets? And I can tell you that we've got men and women that can work really well in the kitchen that don't deal well with the public. They're not great in in terms of dealing with computers. Some don't read well. So we know their skill set and we know their ability to interact. So we're doing job placement, but we're not doing it for them. We're doing it alongside them. We're giving them where to go, when to show up, and how to interview and providing them with some certificates, Mm -hmm. completion certificates, so that they can get a little bit further. But we're also conversing with the employer. We won't, in this market, we won't send anyone on an interview unless they're willing to pay at least
2: Uh $13.50. Lots of phone
1: calls from all different sorts of employers. Hey, we're hiring for... This dishwasher or this warehouse position, and it pays nine, ten, eleven dollars an hour. We know for a fact that is not a sustainable living wage, and that person will either go back to their addiction or be there very short term and leave yeah. you stranded as an employer.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's that's, just, it's that's not, great. It's not much money. All right. So, at what point in time you mentioned a sixteen week program? As you're teaching them, you're walking them through. At what point in time do you do you incorporate leading them to Christ and, and, and really showing them the value of being a Jesus follower and then connecting that faith to the very work that they do to recognize it as a mission field. How, how does the faith component fit into all of this working with uh, men and women in recovery?
1: From the moment they arrive at the rescue mission, we, they're embedded into a program that incorporates chapel four times a week. Um, they do Bible study Um, every single week, and they're constantly exposed to opportunities to attend church and be a part of church and worship. So that happens vibrantly here at the mission at the core in that first four months, and then it continues throughout the program when they move over into the cafe. Now, if you know anything about AA or NA, or if you don't, it's a spiritual program. The first of the 12 steps is to surrender and say, I have no power, I give it all to the higher power. We let and acknowledge a higher power because many of the men and women that come to these programs have been abused by a father figure in their life. Mm -hmm. And that's a difficult thing for them to say father. It's funny how this works. Um, When you introduce them to the human, the person of Jesus, it's actually, and I'm, I'm an old sales guy, it's an easier sell. They understand it better. They can recognize and see what he did and his sacrifice for us much easier than they can recognize this benevolent mighty being in heaven called father. Difficult relationship for them. But the human, the cross, the relationship, the sacrifice is something they can understand. So prayer is a constant. Devotions are a constant. And even for those that acknowledge just their higher power... It's the first step in the recovery process, but it also leads them down a greater spiritual path.
0: Well, and when we come back, I really want to talk about then how are you letting them know? Those that actually acknowledge and start to follow Jesus Christ, when are you letting them know and helping them understand that their work, it's all part of this walk with Jesus and that their workplace, whether it's Community Matters Cafe or somewhere else, that it is in fact a place of mission, of ministry. you listen to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brang as we talk with ed price from community matters cafe in charlotte north carolina related to the charlotte rescue mission check him out online communitymatterscafe.com maybe you want to put one of these
1: in your community you listen to i work for him we'll be right back field manuals have been around for decades. You and I are soldiers serving in our mission fields at work. The I Work For Him field manuals are intended to provide the practical, tactical, factual, and biblical perspectives around work, women at work, and retirement. Our field manuals provide the detailed biblical information and faith-based how-tos for Christ followers like you serving in the field. Go to iworkforhim.com forward slash bookstore and request your free chapter today. That's iworkforhim.com forward slash bookstore. Thanks for going down Digital. Hey, welcome back to iWork. We're talking
0: with Ed Price from the Charlotte Rescue Mission and CommunityMattersCafe.com. Cafe.com.
2: So, Ed, you've been explaining to us that as men and women that are in recovery go through your program, they have the opportunity to then learn job skills by working at the Community Matters Cafe and all the training that's involved in that. What kind of impact are you seeing on your employees?
1: So the impact that we're seeing, and we really call them students because okay. we don't want to ever just use them for employment services. We can get anyone to work in this incredible restaurant that happens to be in the heart of Charlotte. But students, it does a couple of because We take them from resident status in the main program, and then we elevate them to the level of students. The uh-huh. one thing an addict struggles with is completion. It's not fear of failure. It's fear of success. Every time they get close to something that's going to help them take the next step or be successful in they've been successful in, they'll sabotage their own success. So along the way, we give them certificates and accolades, and we acknowledge them, and then we identify them as students. So we're seeing just transformation continue to happen from the main program as they step into this identity. We bring them through different areas of the restaurant. We start them in the back of the house, in the kitchen where they can't be seen, but they have little successes cooking, cleaning, and being a part of a team. We move them to the coffee shop, and they have more success dealing with customers. And then finally, they sort of graduate or become seniors in the dining room that they're taking orders and running tables and using the computer and interacting with cash and credit cards and really, really this dynamic change happens in them because they've got confidence. Even though that have had restaurant experience before, they're seeing impact because our customers understand in very short order what we're all about. We're not just the regular restaurant serving the product we're we're impacting lives by allowing people to be changed in the process
2: so let's talk about those customers what is the interaction with the customers and and how do how are they affected and what do they see as they um come into the cafe
1: we've got collateral not offensively posted everywhere but very subtly in all the spaces throughout the cafe and it allows them to understand a snapshot of what we're all about so those that aren't familiar very quickly, if they maybe are waiting an extra couple of minutes for their order, their shoulders will drop because they relax and realize, hey, this is something special. Because in some cases, the person who's serving you may look like they're in recovery because of teeth or some other mm-hmm. obvious sign. In some cases, you can't tell the difference. And it's, what was your original question? I'm sorry. I'm just well, just confused.
2: about the customers, like what kind of impact, oh, yeah. what, do they, how, what do they see when they come in and as far as their experience?
1: It's funny, they become partners very quickly. They go from customers and being a transaction to becoming a partner because they want to be a part of something greater and they know the work is there. So they're very quick to ask, how are you doing? How's the program going for you? They're not afraid to interact with our students. And our students, because of their AA and NA background, they're used to telling their story. So they're more than happy to converse back and forth. So we quickly go from customer to partner and we see this incredible recurring business and this pressing in and you know fundamentally we're a christian nonprofit. we see donations show up without solicitation. that's awesome
0: so i i said i would ask this question at the end of the last segment how at what point in time are you letting those that have become jesus followers letting them know that that workplace even the community matters cafe becomes a place of ministry where does that get incorporated and you got 30 seconds
1: (laughs) all the time everywhere we can you know we understand that all things work together for good for those who love jesus And letting them know that every single part of what they do, right down to the stuff that challenges them in the moment, even cleaning the bathroom in uncomfortable situations is important because it develops character.
0: What's been the biggest challenge for you, Ed Price from Community Matters Cafe? The biggest challenge, 15 seconds.
1: I thought I was going to be running a restaurant. It's managing the health and um, the mental capacity of my paid staff members
0: so it's not your students but the paid staff members that's more difficult
1: it is because they're not just running a restaurant they're missionaries on a missionary right
0: ed price with community matters cafe out of charlotte north carolina thank you so much for sharing your story on i work for him today
1: you're so welcome. Thank you.
0: Make sure you check them out online, communitymatterscafe.com. Or if you're in, in or near Charlotte this summer sometime, check them out. Eat some food there, communitymatterscafe.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplaces, our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for Him. him.